0: City Light, how are we doing? Happy New Year to a better year, amen? Amen, all right. Uh, So excited to be back in the house of God this morning, excited to jump into this series with you. Uh, If you're new, I just want to say welcome, just want to say we're so glad that you're here. Uh, I would love to connect with you after the service, or you can get a connect card uh, in the lobby and fill that out for us, and just give us your name, email, social security number, and a few things like that. We would love to follow up with you, so... We don't want your social security number, okay, just in case you didn't catch that. Uh, and so we'd love to connect with you and help you on your faith journey and your walk with God wherever you are in that. Uh, and so please get connected with us as you begin the new year. And through the family of God and with other people, uh, we can begin to implement the things that we want to see change in our lives. And we can't do that apart from community. So we would love for you to join with us in what God is doing here. So if you have a Bible, we're gonna be in Second Chronicles 29. Uh, I hope you have one of these uh, Devo guides that we're giving out. Uh, I think we might have run up a little bit short. So if you didn't get one now, they're available online uh, under the resources tab. We will also have more printed next week. And so we'd love for you to take one of these. Every year, we begin the year with 21 days of prayer and fasting. This is so important for us to say as we enter into the new year, we dedicate this time and really this whole year unto the Lord, and we prioritize the presence of God and prayer as the things to say like, this is what it's all about, and we will enter into this new year dedicated and consecrated unto the Lord. It's a time for us to remember what we are doing while we are here, and a time for us to take the condition of our hearts very seriously and to really reflect on where we stand with the Lord. It's 21 days of prayer and fasting It's something that we do together. And in this guide, uh, this is so important because we would love for you to engage in this every day, not just sermon to sermon. And so we would love for you to spend time with the Lord with this guide to help you get on the same page with what we're doing as a church to consider how this whole passage that we're looking through has an impact on your life to let it really soak with you and let it transform you day in and day out. And as I always say, man shall not live by sermons alone. Sermons are the cherry on top, of the ice cream that you get with the Lord on your own. So we'd love for you to take this guide and help you do that and spend time with the Lord. It also has tips for fasting, things you can fast from. It's not just food, you know, social media, uh, comfort habits that you have that might be helpful uh, just to give up and release unto the Lord for these 21 days. So I really highly encourage you to join with us in this and don't half-heartedly do it. Give this 21 days up to a serious, serious, submission to the Lord, a releasing of things that are okay in your life. It's okay to have social media, it's okay to go to Starbucks, it's okay. Uh, But to say for this time I'm gonna release those things and I'm going to give a significant amount of time to the Lord, and I'm gonna consecrate myself unto him. And so this is so important for us. Please join us in this. God really does work in and through prayer. We mean that. We say prayer is the work all the time. It's not just a catchy phrase. It's something that we really believe with all our hearts. And so I want you to consider this time of prayer and fasting to truly be the work of 2021. And I really believe this is not just preacher talk with all my heart that the results we see God do in the rest of the year are directly connected to this time of dedication unto him. And so please join us in that. I mean, last year, a great example is uh, on our 21st day, uh, the building came through and began to be processed and that opportunity began to be opened up. Uh, And so I don't take this lightly to say God really does work and move in response to prayer. Sometimes he lets us see it in miraculous ways like that, which are wonderful. Sometimes it's not so clear, but he's always working. So give yourself to it for yourself, for your family, and also for this body here. 21 days, use the Devo guide. We're in 2 Chronicles 29. We're gonna be looking at the next four chapters over these 21 days. I have been waiting like three or four months to preach this sermon uh, because I have spent some time with the Lord a few months ago, and I was in Psalm 56. And in Psalm 56, there's this phrase, thank offering. And it just stuck out to me, you know, sometimes for those of you in the room who reads your Bible, you're reading your Bible and you're like, wow, something about that just really gets me. And so I kept thinking about that, like an offering of thanksgiving. What what an interesting thought. So I began to look that up in the scriptures, and I found this particular story, and I was just in my normal time with the Lord, and I got so wrapped up in this story that we're going to see over the next few weeks that literally hours had gone by, and I didn't even realize it. And it was like lunchtime. By the time I was done, I had missed some things I was supposed to be doing, uh, but I considered that okay because the Lord had kept me in that place. And there was something so significant about what God was teaching me in this passage, and I knew in that very moment that the Lord had given this to me so that we could go through it together in our 21 days. That was like August. I already knew. I was like, this is the word for the new year, and the Lord had given it to me through his word, and now I'm excited. This thing has been cooking for three to four months. I will try to keep it under two hours for those of you who need to to go somewhere today, Uh, but we're going to be really looking at this in depth for the next four weeks, and so it's going to be an amazing time together. The series is called The Preparation of Consecration. The Preparation of Consecration the preparation of consecration. It is about the necessity of being ready for the work of God. And for us as a church body to take this time to get ready for what God wants to do this year, and for many of you maybe in the room who maybe this is your first time at church or your experience with Christianity is new, you're not quite sure what to think of it, today is a good time for you to see what does it really look like to submit your life to Christ and live for him. So 2 Chronicles 29, we're gonna read the first 11 verses, and then we're gonna talk about it, and then we'll read a few more, we'll talk about it, we'll try to work our way through most of the whole chapter, next week, chapter 30, the week after that, chapter 31, the week after that, chapter 32. So let me look at these first 11 verses, look at them with me. Verse one, Hezekiah began to reign when he was 25 years old, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah, And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that David, his father, had done. In the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. He brought in the priests and the Levites. He assembled them in the square on the east, and he said to them, Hear me, Levites, now consecrate yourselves and consecrate the house of the Lord, the God of your fathers, and carry out the filth from the holy place." For our fathers have been unfaithful. They have done what was evil in the sight of the Lord our God. They have forsaken him and turned away their faces from the habitation of the Lord and turned their backs. They also shut the doors of the vestibule. They put out lamps and they have not burned incense or offered burnt offerings in the holy place to the God of Israel. Therefore, the wrath of the Lord came on Judah and Jerusalem, and he has made them an object of horror, of astonishment, and hissing, as you see with your own eyes. For behold, our fathers have fallen by the sword, and our sons and daughters and our wives are in captivity for this. Now it is in my heart to make a covenant with the Lord, the God of Israel, in order that his fierce anger may turn away from us. My sons, do not now be negligent, for the Lord has chosen you to stand in his presence, to minister to him, and to be his ministers and make offerings to him. So let me give you a quick overview so you know where we are going. King Hezekiah, 25 years old, as it says, he takes over as the king of the people of God in Jerusalem at 25 years old. His father Ahaz was a wicked king. The worst of the worst. He had done terrible things. He had rebelled against God. He had led the people astray. He had set up idols. The whole kingdom was a mess when Hezekiah takes over. Not only was the kingdom in disarray, but there was a giant threat from the Assyrian army, which were the big bad boys on the block, that they were threatening to come wipe them out. And so the kingdom was in disarray. It was under threat and this new leader, Hezekiah, takes over in this situation, the first thing he decides to do in his new role as leader is to repair the house of the Lord and return the people of God to worship. This is so important. We're gonna see how significant that is for us later today. So he returns to worship. He gets the temple ready. And as he returns back to worship... The whole nation gets transformed and begins to change, and God begins to bless and lead his people, so much so that at the end in chapter 32, after the restoration and the spiritual renewal has taken place, when Assyria does come and does threaten and tries to take over, God gives Israel victory without even having to fight. And it's amazing and helpful for us. This whole story had just got me captivated. I just couldn't believe how amazing this story was. Obviously, I can't, it's the Bible, but it just really struck me. And something we learned from this whole picture that we're going to walk through week by week this is important, you should write this down is that in the presence of the Lord, the victory is won before the battle has begun. This is so true. It's so helpful. In the presence of the Lord, the victory is won before the battle has begun. Something I kept thinking about as I read through the whole thing was that the battle wasn't won in chapter 32, it was won in chapter 29. The victory God gave Hezekiah in chapter 32 was won when Hezekiah returned to worship in chapter 29. And what we're gonna see in your own life and for the ministry of this church is that the victories you wanna see later in the year in December are victories that are won when you seek the Lord in January. Right, the changes you want to see go through the whole year to see at the end of the year something really significant has changed in your life is not one through all your hard work throughout the year. It's one through you seeking the Lord to begin with. The victories you want to see happen in your life don't happen in December, they happen in January. The things you want to see the Lord do in your life don't happen at the end when he does them. It happens at the beginning when you seek his face. And so for us to say as a ministry and as a church, We desire to make an impact and to see the Lord do miracles, signs, and wonders and to change the city around us. And we recognize that in his presence, the victory is won before the battle has begun. And this is how we ought to do ministry and this is how you ought to prioritize your life. Listen to me, we have to think spiritually. What you need is not a resolution, it's a revelation. You don't need a new resolution. You don't need five different habits to transform you. You don't need new things to pick up and do. You don't need a resolution, you need a revelation. You need a word from God. You need His presence to be active and manifest in your life. You need Him to be near and dear to you, working in and through your heart and your life. You need your desires to change to want Him more. You don't need, and we don't need, resolutions to even resolve to do good for our community. We don't need resolutions and strategies to make the best difference that we can. Those are fine and helpful, but the first thing we need is a revelation. What you need for your home is not a new resolution, you need a revelation. What you need for your life to change the things that have been going wrong in your personal habits is not a new resolution, you need a revelation. But so often we're trying to live by resolutions, we neglect revelation. And so I wanna flip that for us today. May we live by the revelation of God's word, of God's presence. Listen to me, this is your starting point for this year. The starting point is not the battle that you're in or the battle that will come. The starting point is not the problems that you foresee. The starting point isn't to begin to fix the obstacle in front of you and try to change your situation. The starting point isn't your worry or anxiety. The starting point isn't your self-will or determination to overcome the year ahead of you. The starting point is not a good plan or a good strategy. The starting point is the Lord. Just the Lord, that's it. Just the Lord say, I'm gonna start with you. I love you. I wanna be with you. This is so important to us at City Light. It was the very first message we ever preached here at City Light. Our core value, number one, is that we are all about Jesus. Now, this is important, not just as a fact that we believe Jesus died and rose again for the sins of the world, that if you put your trust in him, you will be saved. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Yes and amen to all of that. But it's not just that we believe in the fact, it's that we want the person. To be all about Jesus is to have an emotional response to him, to have a relationship with him, to have a desire for him. It's not just that you believe the fact, but you want the person. And I wonder how many people are here because you believe the fact, but you have neglected the person. And God wants you to return to him today, not just to admit and confess the facts of your religion, but to believe and to want and to desire the person, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. That's what true religion, true Christianity, a true faith is like. And God is asking us to return to that together and individually. So as we seek to do that, let's go ahead and look at the passage and work our way through. But that's the big goal for the next four weeks is to learn how in the presence of God the victory is won before the battle has begun. So the story from 2 Chronicles gives us great instruction as to what this looks like. As I said in the beginning, Hezekiah takes over a mess. He has a national crisis. The kingdom is in disarray and under threat. He has a personal crisis that his father had messed the whole thing up, so it was a family issue. He has a ton of issues to deal with, a ton of problems to work on, a ton of people to manage, a ton of things he sees that he needs to fix, a ton of organizational structures to get right, a ton of things to take care of, just like you and me probably do for this coming year. But the first thing he does is not address all of those issues and problems, which are important. The first thing he he does, the first thing he does is return and worship. It's the first thing, look at this. In the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. Come on now, you and me, we're looking at 2021, right? And you're saying, I got all these things to fix, people to manage, problems to solve, obstacles to overcome. I have all of these things. And our initial desire is to get to work and to plan and to strategize and try to accomplish all the things that we want to accomplish with this year. And as you look at all that, and as you become overwhelmed by all that that is and all that you need to do, God wants to look at you and say, hey, first things first, you need to prioritize me. This is what Hezekiah does. He looks at all that and he says, I will restore worship. We will pray. If I'm going to do anything, it's going to be pray. If I'm going to do anything, it's going to be worship. If I'm going to neglect anything, it will not be the presence of God. I will pursue that if everything else falls apart. I will dedicate myself. I will be convicted about this. I will pursue the presence of God. This is the starting point for you, and I know so many of you are looking at 2021, you're looking at your own problems and things you need to overcome, and I wanna encourage you, don't do this backwards. Don't do this backwards. Don't rush into solving them, fixing them, working on them. Dedicate yourself unto the Lord. Seek Him, love Him, know Him, pursue Him, prioritize Him. Don't be too busy for the Lord Jesus. You know, I I often, uh, I want you to think about this, this question. When you're really busy, does the priority of seeking the Lord in your life get magnified or minimized? You know, because we're all busy, I mean, that's, right, how are you doing, oh, I'm busy. That's the normal response, everybody's super busy. It's amazing, no matter what stage of life you're in, you know, everybody thinks they're busy, everybody is busy, it's fine. I've thought about really changing that. When somebody asked me, i am be like, I'm rested, just to see what people do, you know? I'm just relaxed, feeling good, like I should, you know? Like, I'm doing that together. About five of y'all caught that this time, okay? The whole service last time caught that, all right? It's a song, all right? All right? It's a good song. We jam that song in the house all the time. When my kids are grumpy, we put it on. It's like, feeling good, like I should. I'm like, this is how you should feel right now, you know? Stop feeling grumpy, Well, I thought about changing my response to that, but I want you to think through your priorities because so many of us who call ourselves Christ followers would say with our lips that God has the first place, but our life would say something else. Theologically, we would agree with that. The Lord has the first place. But if I looked at your schedule, what would it tell me? If I looked at how you spent your time and your money, what would I learn about your priorities? I've been thinking about this in my own life. Like I say a lot, I'm a preacher, right? I'm a pastor, I say a lot of things, and I want to live up to them as best as I can. Thinking through my life, I know I confess with my lips that he has the first place, but what does my money say? What does my time say? What does my energy say? What does my schedule say? And for those of us in the room to really evaluate, this is part of the consecration work, is to evaluate whether my life is matching what I know or what my lips say about it. Do I have integrity? Is it authentic? And I know many of you desire to say the Lord is in the first place, but that's not currently true. And I wanna help you realize, think about it, and begin to follow him into that place. Let me give you a couple self-reflection questions that you need to think about to help evaluate where you're at so you can consecrate yourself unto the Lord. Here's number one. When I am busy and overwhelmed, what do I still prioritize and what do I neglect? I'm telling you, Sermons are only helpful if you take them and go live them out. And so you could sit here and be like, oh yeah, okay. You need to think about it you need to answer it. Like for real. Otherwise it's just a talk. I'm not here to talk to you, okay? We're not gonna do that. I want the Lord to work in and through your life in this moment and to carry it through the rest of the week. And so think about this question. When I am busy and overwhelmed, what do I prioritize? And what do I neglect? What do I let go of? When I'm super busy, what do I neglect? When I don't have time, what do I neglect? Or what do I maintain the priority for? And I know for many of us, we'd say we love the Lord, but then when we're super busy, we neglect his presence. Well, the first thing to go is our time in the Bible because we have too many things to do. We've got to flip that around, guys. We're not gonna see any spiritual fruit living that way. So what do I neglect? We need to have this Hezekiah attitude that everything else will fall to pieces but not my relationship with the Lord. Everything else, everything else. Secondary, not my relationship with the Lord. I will prioritize him I will get up early, I will stay up late, I will put something in my schedule, I will prioritize him, we must do that. So evaluate your heart. You say Jesus is the first place, but when you're busy and overwhelmed, what do you prioritize and what do you neglect? How about this one? When I encounter a problem, my first response is to blank. So now you have Hezekiah, he encounters a pretty big problem, a national crisis, he's the leader. When he encounters the problem, he can go count his army, He could go ring the necks of all his associate guys be like, you need to get this together. He could begin to strategize. He could, you know, they didn't have whiteboards, but whatever it is they were using, then he could go get one of those and he could write it out. No, 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 no. He says, the first thing I'm gonna do with a problem is worship. So for you, when you encounter a problem, what's the first thing you do? Call your spouse? Call a friend? Those are good things. That's not the first thing. Let's learn to prioritize the presence of God. So, for this sermon today, it's titled, because of this first part, Open the Doors. This is my simple plea for you and for this church is that we would open the doors metaphorically of our hearts to the Lord again, that we would be renewed in our love and devotion to him, that we would open the doors and we would clean out the house and we would make ourselves ready to serve him and love him and know him, that the doors that have been closed to the Lord in certain places of our hearts, that those would be opened again to him and that our love and desire for him and his presence would grow and be magnified and be realized in our life. God wants you to open the doors, open the doors. You know, as I was thinking about this, uh, we use a million doors in our house, obviously, we have a bunch of kids, big family, all that. And so often one of the things you go around and like the door will be locked and they'll be playing. And one of the things is like, hey, there's no locked doors in this house. Okay? You don't lock unless you're going to the bathroom. Don't lock the door, okay? You need to leave it open. We're all everybody knows what everybody's doing, okay? Open doors, open doors, okay? I don't even have teenagers yet, you know? And it's still just like open doors, open doors. Okay? Especially when you're a teenager, leave that door. Okay, so open doors, open doors. Leave the door open because none of this part, none of this needs to be hidden. There's no reason. There's no reason for anything to be hidden from us unless you're going to the bathroom, right? There's no reason for that. So now when I think about that, I want you to think about that. And the Lord, you kind of go through the doors of your house and maybe some of them are open. Maybe some of them, you know, you love, you're here at church, you're, you're willing to learn spiritual things, but you just won't. Maybe you just won't spend time with him personally. You love all the religious activity, but that personal door is closed. Or maybe you, you love doing all of this together with us, but that door of generosity or some sort of sacrifice and release to the Lord is, is not open to him. You're holding on. And part of the process of this whole thing is for you to walk through your house, so to speak, and find every door that you have closed off to God, which is gonna take some searching, some confronting, some reflection, and begin to open them up and say, Lord, you can work in that place. For you to say, Lord, there's no hidden doors here in this house, you can work in that place. And you're gonna have to really reflect and think about this for this to be fruitful. So open the doors of your house, open the doors of your heart We also wanna open the doors of this house of God, this physical building, to help you in that process and to seek the Lord together. So every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday from 11 to 1, we'll be running a prayer and worship set live here. It'll be streamed, but also we'd love for you to join us. You can bring your kids, they can run around, bring a journal, just sit, reflect, just be a part of it. Now, you're welcome to do that every Thursday night. This is true in 21 days and out of 21 days. We meet at 6.30 to pray and to seek the Lord here live. We'd love for you to be here for that. Obviously, we're here on Sundays. We wanna open the doors of this house to help you and for us to seek the Lord together. On the 23rd, we close every 21 days and we begin every new season of the year. We have three seasons, January to April, Uh, May to August and September to December. It's kind of our ministry rhythm. So we start every season with what we call an immerse, which is a, a nine to nine, 12 hour seeking the Lord time together. So that's how we're gonna close out our 21 days. We open the doors of this house for 12 hours. We'd love for you to join us then, but make sure you're doing everything you can to join the rhythms of this church and good rhythms in your life and in your heart to open the doors for worship. Maybe for some of you, it's the first time God has ever asked you or you've ever heard him asking you to open your heart to him. Maybe you're new. Maybe you you haven't decided to follow Christ. Maybe you've heard the gospel a bunch of times but are just not interested. Maybe you're hearing about Jesus the first time today, whatever it might be, and God is telling you, he's kind of knocking on your door. You can feel it in your soul that God's knocking and he's saying, open, 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 open to me. Open to me, let me in. Open to me, let me work. Open to me, let me work in your life. Open to me, I want to save you, transform you, make you new. And God is doing that, and you're feeling that on your heart today. And I want to encourage you to open the door of your heart to the Lord. He loves you. And most importantly, he has opened the door of his heart to you a door that was closed because of our sin, a relationship that has been stretched and battered and beaten and strained and broken because of our sin. God now says, won't you come in? Because of his death and resurrection on the cross, he has made a way and made an open door for you. He is inviting you in today. No matter what you've done or what your life has been like, he is open to you. And he may be knocking on your heart this morning and encourage you to turn to him. So as we consider what does it mean to be Consecrated. It's a very religious Christian word. Let me kind of break it down to make it simple for all of us. Consecration simply means to set apart as sacred, to set apart as sacred, to make something. Holy, distinct, unique, to set apart for a particular work. To consecrate ourselves is to set apart our bodies, our minds, our thinking, our words, our habits, our schedules, our resources. It's to set them apart and say, these are sacred. These are unto the Lord. They are dedicated to him. He gets first dibs. And to say, this is yours, Lord. I am yours. Everything about me is yours. I am dedicated to you. And then to do that with a ministry and with a church like City Light, to say, we set apart this church unto you, Lord. It is yours. You do what you wish. You do what you weigh. We simply want to follow your way. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you, and we set our heart to you, and we say this is your church, your ministry, your money, your people, Lord. This is set apart for holy, sacred work. This is not a business. We are here for something holy and sacred, and the work we need to do is spiritual. And so what does that look like for us as a ministry to be ready? So let me show you what that'll look like for you and for me. So look, In verse 4, he says, he brought in the priests and the Levites. He assembled them in the square on the east. And he said to them, hear me, you Levites, now consecrate yourselves and consecrate the house of the Lord, the God of your fathers. Carry out the filth from the holy place. I think this is so helpful for us. Listen to the order. Consecrate yourselves and the house. Consecrate yourselves and and then the house. Yourself and then the house. Yourself and then the house. Yourself and then the house. And do we get this backwards or what? Man, we'll do anything except work on ourselves. We'll do anything except reflect on the condition of our own heart. We'll do anything except navigate those spaces, anything, anything. Especially if it can be holy, say, I'd rather go serve. Listen, so many of us, this is what a resolution does so often is you go to try to do the work of the house without doing the work on yourself. As a leader in the family, you're trying to do the work on your family without doing the work on yourself. You're trying to consecrate your workplace without consecrating yourself. You're trying to do the thing God has asked you to do without being the person God has asked you to be this order is so important and we get it backwards. He says, consecrate yourself and then the house, yourself and then the house, yourself and then the house. And part of what we want to do today and during these 21 days is to make sure together we are consecrating ourselves unto the Lord and saying we are yours, set apart, make us more like you, turn us into more like Jesus, reveal ways of sin, reveal ways of foolishness, create repentance in our hearts and in our lives. We need you to make us right with you and to consecrate ourselves unto you, and then we will work on the house, and then we will work in the city, and then we will work in the schools, and then we will work in our families, and then we will work in our workplaces. But first and foremost, what comes first is the personal consecration and the worship, but so often we get those backwards because the problems are so big, and the house is so messy, and all of these different things, and just because of the way that we work, we get it backwards because we think I am so necessary and what we have to do is so important. I mean, imagine like, okay, yesterday, me and my house, me and my, my, house, me and my wife did some house cleaning, all right? Uh, and imagine if my wife woke up and she's like, okay, we got this, we need to knock out these kind of things in the house today. Imagine if I said, oh, hold up, I gotta consecrate myself first, right? No, 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 I ain't got time for that. Like, I must be consecrated. Let me sit over here and just, hum, and let me think about how dirty the house is you know and you'd be like that's crazy that's called disobedience you know like you're a bad husband you need to go get in there and clean this stupid house get up early if you want to do anything else and you get in there and that's our mentality is to say the thing i have to do is so important and i don't have time for anything else and i know that's a silly example but that's the way we live our life is to say 2021 and the things i have to do are so important it would be silly of you to ask me to set apart time to consecrate myself i have too much to do too much to work on it's too important If I don't do this, then this will happen. If I don't do this, then this will happen. Well, have you ever considered that if you neglected your relationship to the Lord, what will happen? What will happen in your heart? There is nothing more important than your relationship with God. Nothing, nothing, nothing more important. Your family is not more important than your relationship with God. Your job is not more important than your relationship with God. Your health is not more important than your relationship with God. Your schedule, nothing, your resources, your money, nothing is as important as your relationship with God. And the trick of the devil is to get us to work on everything else except for our relationship with God. And then we call that progress. I've made progress. Discipline advancement, promotion, and it might very well be degress. The temptation of your year is going to be to neglect the most important thing of your life. It's the temptation every day, and I'm here just to plead and to scream and to do everything I can to tell you the most important thing about your life is your soul, your relationship with God. So you need to evaluate. Where is that at? What is it like? Where is my heart? Who am I really? Not who do I say that I am or who do I want to be? Who am I really before the Lord? Look at this. There's a more uh, clear example of this in verse 15 of this personal consecration, the order. This order is so important. Yourself and then the house. So look at this. Verse 15, they gathered their brothers and consecrated themselves. They went in as the king had commanded by the words of the Lord to cleanse the house of the Lord. The priest went into the inner part of the house of the Lord to cleanse it. They brought all, they brought out all the uncleanness they found in the temple of the Lord into the court of the house of the Lord, and the Levites took it and carried it out to the brook Kidron. Now watch the numbers, the numbers are what's important here. They began to consecrate on the first day of the month, of the first month, and on the eighth day of the month they came to the vestibule of the Lord, which is basically the front porch. Then for eight days they consecrated the house of the Lord, and on the sixteenth day of the first month they finished. Then they went to Hezekiah the king and said, we have cleansed all the house of the Lord, the altar, the burnt offering, all its utensils, the table for showbread and all its utensils, all the utensils that King Ahaz discarded in his reign when he was faithless we have made ready and consecrated and behold, they are before the altar of the Lord. Now this part is what got me that day four months ago. I just kept thinking about it. I just stopped, I just, I just kept thinking about it when I began to do the math. Can you do the math with me real quick, right? They have a total of 16 days they do the work. 16 days given over to it. They spend the first half consecrating themselves. The first half. Look at that. On the first day of the first month, they began to consecrate. On the eighth day, they went into the vestibule of the Lord, which is basically the front porch, which means on the eighth day, they just started. So the first day, the work of consecration began, but they didn't start actually doing the work in the temple till the eighth day. So for eight days eight days which is half of the total time given they spent simply consecrating themselves getting their hearts right ready repentant ready with the lord eight days and eight days and you know if god gave us that assignment and he said you had 16 days to clean the temple you know what each and every one of us would do we would get down for five minutes say lord help me and then we get to work. where's the scrub where is it at let me get to scrubbing where's the broom where's all of that That's exactly what we would do. That's exactly what I would do. And I was so convicted, so convicted. I just do life backwards. I do life so backwards. To think about, I would just think, man, you're going to take eight days, half of your whole time, just to like what? Get right with the Lord? But look, this is exactly what they did. And this reveals to us why the consecration process is so important. This passage right here, eight days and eight days, is what I mean by preparation of consecration. That's what I mean, if you want a visual for that. It's a matter of priorities. And it's a matter of understanding, listen to me, how the spiritual realm works. You have to listen to me. God doesn't do math like you and I. The math that we and I would do is to say, if I'm gonna get 16 days worth of work done, I need to work those 16 days. If I'm gonna do what God has called me to do, I must get to it, and I must get to it with my own strength and my own might. And even in our good zeal to do the right thing for the city and for the community and for our family, we often rush forward into it without ever seeking the Lord. And we rush into it, and we wonder why it was so ineffective. We did all the work. We did all the labor. I put in the sweat. The energy, the resolutions, and all of that, and it was so ineffective, and we get frustrated. But what we begin to realize is we get ahead of ourselves when we rush toward the assignment without an assessment. You're rushing into the assignment without an assessment, and you're getting frustrated because you're ineffective. If you try to pursue the assignment of God without the assessment of God on your heart and your life, you will be ineffective in the work of God. And what God wants to show us here is this is his math. Eight days with the Lord is super good because your next eight days are gonna be the most productive of your life. You will get more done in eight days in the presence of God than you will 16 days working it by yourself. The temple will be more ready if you take the first half and simply get your heart ready than it will be if you spent all 16 days working it and that is true for your life, it's true for the way you live. I can't tell you how important this is. Because even in my own life, I was just sitting there, like, with the Lord, like, man, you know? I feel like I pray a decent amount. I feel like I try to seek the Lord. I just felt like, man, I just, God's math is so different. The spiritual realm is so different. We need access into that to think. You know, it's ironic because we wanna do, you know, the, those of you in the room who are Christ followers, you really wanna want do something for the Lord. You're not here because you like don't care. Of course, like you wanna make a difference. And that's a good thing. And then I think about how we attempt to do that, and how all of a sudden we begin to believe that God needs me to be productive for him, as if he needed me at all. You know, it's pretty ironic. In First Corinthians 1, he, the, the Bible teaches us that God takes the foolish things of the world to shame the wise the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He thinks the things that are not to put to shame the things that are, so that no man may boast before him. And then now I get the delusion that it's my hard work and my dedication to the cause that God will will use. Now, once again, those aren't bad. You should work hard, don't be lazy. I'm just thinking about it the other way, to say God thinks it's more important that you become who he wants you to become than you do what you think he wants you to do. And if you begin to become what he wants you to become in his presence with the Lord, you will begin to win victories in prayer before you even start the fight. And I just wonder, I, got to, I just got to thinking, we've seen the Lord do so much, and I just thought, man, What if we still just pushed and said like, no, 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 we were super active, we're super missional, we're out there making a difference, but what if we kept pushing to say we really believe the battle's won in prayer with all our heart? What would we see? What does God's math line up to? If if, if I spend two days in prayer and 14 days and God still blesses it because he's gracious, what if I spent three days and then 13 days? What if I spent four days and then 14, or 12 days of math, you know? What does that look like in your life? You must think about this. What is the order of your life and the priority by which you spend your time? Are you trying to fulfill the assignment without the assessment? And maybe what I'm telling you now is just helping explain to you why you've been so ineffective, why it's been so hard for you to change. Why it's been so hard for you to see the changes made in your family. Why it's been so hard for you even to attempt to serve God. Because you've done it backwards. And God's math is different. Eight days in consecration, eight days in public ministry. Eight days in private devotion, eight days in public ministry. You need to take that math and you need to begin to think about it in your life. The most important thing about you is your relationship with God. So it is with me, so it is with this church. Don't get ahead of yourself and pursue the assignment this year without the proper assessment. And what we've given you, hopefully as a gift, is these 21 days for us to get in it together, to say, what is the assessment like? Go to your lighthouse and assess yourself in your life. Get with other Christian brothers and sisters and assess yourself and be honest and ask what they see in your own life. Take this 21 days as a gift to you to not rush into the new year with resolutions, but to take some time to get a revelation and let the Lord win some victories now that you'll see in December, because you gave this time to him. This truly is how the spiritual realm works. Lord, give us eyes to see. So, I'm gonna show you as we close out just a couple quick things about how do I consecrate myself. Just practically, very simple. Here in the passage, there seems to be two aspects. The one is to get rid of what is unclean, and the second is to get ready everything else. So how do I actually do the work of consecrating myself unto the Lord and seeking him, evaluating my heart and confronting the things that are there? What do I do to get ready for the work of God? And it seems to be what they did was they walked into the temple, they got themselves ready, they walked into the temple, they cleaned out what was, they got rid of what was unclean and they got ready everything else. Something I noticed that really stood out to me was in verse 19 when it says, all the utensils King Ahaz discarded in his reign when he was faithless, we have made ready and consecrated. Meaning, he threw away something the Lord had intended him to use because he thought it was useless, he discarded it. What they did was pick it back up and make it ready. Oh my goodness, how many times, how many things in your life, this last year or maybe just over the last several years or maybe this is the pattern of your life, you have been throwing away and discarding in an act of faithlessness the very thing that God wants to pick up and make ready for his work. Think about it think about it. Come on. This is not just like a talk. You think about it. What have I discarded and thrown away and considered useless? Or what people have I discarded, thrown away, considered useless? What things have I discarded, thrown away, and considered useless? And God is asking me now to pick back up and get ready for his work. And what things in my life are currently unclean? What habits of my life do not honor God? What sin struggles are still present in my heart? What is happening in my soul that is unclean that I need to get rid of and join God in doing? What does that look like for me to consecrate myself is to get rid of what is unclean and to get ready everything that has been discarded. This is the work for you and me as we move forward is to join the spirit of God in what he's doing in our life get rid of what is unclean and get ready everything else. Because the Bible teaches us that now God does not dwell in houses made by men's hands but in men and women themselves. Through faith in Christ Jesus, you are now the temple of God. God dwells in you. Isn't that crazy? So think about it. God dwells in me and I want to open the doors of my heart to worship him and I am his temple, then I need to go in, I need to get rid of that which is unclean, I need to get ready everything else. If I'm gonna do anything for the Lord in 2021. Get ready, get rid of, and get ready. Now here's the good news. Here's the really good news, because that sounds like burdensome, sounds kind of hard, and it should be. I I think, I pray a lot about this because I like to be very encouraging, and I want to be that, I'm your pastor, but I also want the Lord to bring a high level of conviction to your heart. You know, like real repentance, real sorrow over sin. You can't make spiritual progress without it. And so anyways, I want you to receive that challenge and feel the conviction that is important. There should be a level of weightiness to that, that you feel in your heart and in your soul when you think about what it is like to be before the Lord with those things still uncovered, those things still hidden in your life. That should be an issue and that should bring about some concern and should cause you to work on that. Yes and amen, and I hope you feel conviction to go do that, all of us together, myself included. But at the same time, here's the encouragement, is that in Christ, get this, you are already clean. This is the amazing part of the Bible, is that the problem with you and me is that we're dirty. This is the problem, okay? You don't need a self-esteem talk. You don't need just to think better about yourself. You don't need a better positive spirit. No, you and I, because of our sin, are dirty. That's the truth. I don't care what culture says. I don't care how people tell you to feel about yourself. The Bible says that you and I have sinned. and has made us dirty before the Lord. It has made us unclean and unfit for a relationship with Him. And it's so serious, it has severed our relationship with God. And the consequences of sin are death and hell forever separated from God that is true that is absolutely true and at the same time though it's too good it's too good at the same time even though you're dead in sin what does Ephesians 2 say Christ has made us alive in him And I know, I know, I know, so many of you in this room, so many of you sitting in a church service where you feel like you're supposed to be something, but you know you're not, and you feel so dirty. Maybe you did something last night, last week, maybe last year, maybe your whole life. You just feel dirty. You walk in here, and you're worried that people know already, even though they obviously don't. And you wonder if anybody would ever accept you or love you care about you and then you hear about how bad sin is and how the decisions you have made are pretty disastrous and they are leading to destruction and they are they're not okay and i'm not here to give you a self-esteem talk but then you hear that even though that's all true romans 5 8 says god demonstrated his love for us that while we were yet sinners christ died for And even though you are dirty, and I'm not gonna lie to you and tell you you're not, God loves you anyways, and through faith in Christ, he wants to make you clean. He wants to take what the Bible calls is sin that's red as scarlet, your dirty rags, and he wants to put the work of Christ, his life, death, and resurrection on it, and he wants to make it clean, and he wants to give you a new heart and a new life and a new hope and a new future, and he wants to do that now, no matter how bad your life has been or the things you have done. He wants to do that now for you, and he wants to do that in your heart if you would simply open the door to him. And there are some of you who have opened the door to Jesus and you've believed and trusted in him and that's real, but your experience of the freedom found in his name is not happening. You walk in here and you still feel dirty, you still feel unclean, you still feel burdened by those things. What I wanna tell you today is the work of God is for you to go to join his spirit and to clean out the house. But let me tell you something, this is an act of joy, not an act of burdensome because when you clean out the house, now you're free for every good work. Imagine this is so practical for your own life. When you clean, does anybody enjoy cleaning their house maybe some of you weirdos do okay but most people don't enjoy cleaning their house why would you enjoy doing that there's a lot of other fun things to do so I hate cleaning my house I hate it I hate it my wife will tell you but I do it because that's what I'm supposed to do okay so I hate cleaning my house but what do we love I love the results of cleaning the house I love a clean house I hate running I hate working out, but I don't want to die when I'm 40 and my kids are five, you know? So I'm trying my best to stay healthy and I run. Why? Not because I love running. That stinks. I don't like running. I like being healthy and I like growing up with my kids. Those are the things that I like. And so I want you to think about it in your own life to receive the challenge, receive the conviction, feel the weight, and now go clean the house as an act of freedom because you know on the other side, it'll be better. God wants you to be free. That's what he came to do. And you can't be free until you realize your own sinfulness. You can't be free until you realize your captivity. You can't be free until those things happen. And so now you must confront what is truly real about your heart. You cannot run away from that because if you keep the door locked, you'll never make progress. But if you open the door and you deal with where you're really at with God, you deal with your relationship with God as is, not as you want it to be, not as you say it is, but you deal with it as is in that very place God wants to minister to you, meet you, fulfill fill you give you joy peace and the fruits of the spirit and he wants to work in that place and change you and this is what it means to consecrate yourself unto God this is a good thing and this is an encouraging word in the midst of a convicting word that if I really believe that my sin has made me dirty and that Christ's death and resurrection has made me clean that is all the motivation I need to worship and to clean the house with him Let me show you this last part. It says, Then Hezekiah the king rose early. He gathered the officials of the city. He went up to the house of the Lord. They sang praises with gladness. They bowed down and worshipped. Then Hezekiah said, You have now consecrated yourselves to the Lord. Come, bring sacrifices and thank offerings to the house of the Lord. And the assembly brought sacrifices and thank offerings, and all who were of a willing heart brought burnt offerings. A willing heart. A willing heart. This is all Jesus is asking of you today. Come on. A willing heart not that you would figure it out today, not that you would wake up two hours early and spend two hours with the Lord tomorrow, not that you would all of a sudden get over your bad habit, not that all of a sudden you would enjoy the presence of God, ha, like, no, 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 no. He's asking for a willing heart. That's it. That's the question today. Are you willing? Are you willing? Not do you have what it takes? Not are you skilled enough? Not do you have enough discipline? Are you willing? Are you willing? Open the doors and let the Lord in and he'll do the work. Let me pray for us. Lord, we love you. We love you so much. God, we ask for forgiveness for neglecting you, Lord. The love of our life, the only thing we need more than the air that we breathe, God. The title child of God is more significant than husband, father, owner, boss, whatever, person, wife, friend, teacher. Lord, help us to restore again that desire and love for you. God, would you open the doors of this house? Would you open the doors of our hearts to worship? Would you get our priorities right and in order? God, help us to do things your way. We commit ourselves to you, Lord. This church, these people, our ministry, our hearts, we commit them to you, we consecrate them, we set them apart as sacred, and we ask, Lord, that you would begin to win victories now before the battles even begin later. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to stand and respond with us to the Lord.